Well, good morning. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for braving the rain and the time change. It's good to see you. If you're joining us online, it's great to have you with us. Uh, right off the bat, I will tell you, Jared said we're going to go from 1 John 2, 28 through 3, 10, and I'm going to tell you we're going to go through 1 John 3, 11 to 24. Who's wrong? I am. <laughs> I realized they ran the North Point Community Highlights about five minutes till nine, and I heard those. I thought, no, no, that's not the passage. I went and looked on the roster, and sure it was, but that was just not enough time to prepare a message. So we're going to go 1 John 3, 11 to 24, and then we will do 1 John 2, 28 to 310 next week. We'll be out of order. Can you guys roll with that? Will you be okay? I mean, other churches, they fire pastors for that. <laughs> so, okay. So, are you wondering why is the snowblower on stage? Is that, Mark, are you, Jim, are you wondering about that? Okay, so I am cruising along with this thing when we have one of those snowstorms. And it is doing great work. I am pushing along, and this thing's going, and it's going, and it's going. I think this is really fun. It beats shoveling, and then it stops. It stops. And it's not so great anymore. It's doing nothing. Okay, those of you who run a snowblower, why did it stop? Yeah, I ran out of gas. And I mean, it went from working to not. Bang! And it was done. At times, when it comes to loving people, does it not feel a little bit like my snowblowing experience? I mean, I am going and going and going, and then bang, I'm done. I'm out of gas. What then? Where do we find the strength to keep on loving? We're going to talk about that this morning. So we've got a Bible. If you'd open it to 1 John 3, starting in verse 11, and through, going through verse 24, we're going, to, we're going to go through this passage and ask this question. Where do we find the strength to keep loving? Now, John has just finished talking about opponents, and he's going to make a shift in the body and how we're to live with one another. And verse 11, there, there's no subtlety. It just comes right out. This is what it's to be. Uh, verse 11 says, For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So there you go. We ought to love one another. And it makes sense if we're tied, connected, to a Savior who loved us enough to die for us, ought we then not to love one another? As John often does, when he wants to make a point or to reinforce it, he states it in the negative, and he does that in verse 12, not as Cain. Now, to know the story of Cain and Abel, you've got to go back to the beginning of your Bible in Genesis. Um, Cain murders his brother Abel, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So Cain and Abel were brothers. They both offered a sacrifice to God. God said, Abel's is acceptable, Cain's is not. He offered reproof to Cain, which Cain rejected. And then out of envy, he slew his brother Abel. A lot in that interaction. 
But often, our inability to love is tied to our relationship with God. Cain's problem started with God, and his acceptable wasn't sacrifice. That was highlighted by the fact that Abel's was. He got envious there, so he took out the one who made him envious. Anybody ever dealt with envy? Okay, you haven't, but you have friends who have, haven't you? Envy's the worst. Because you've got to fake it. Oh, that's it. Oh, your kid did great. I'm so happy. Inside, I'm dying. Because mine's, you know. I, and yet, if I'm satisfied in my relationship with God, your kid's success or your business success or your whatever shouldn't threaten me. But that's the operative word, if shouldn't. That assumes I'm right with God. Cain was not, and it showed in his relationship with his brother. He kills him. So John's on the subject of hate. He says in verse 13, Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. Why why would the world hate us? Because the world has set up a system intentionally designed to exclude God. And then you come along and I come along representing God. And they hate us. That's not personal. It's not personal. It, it could be anybody that represents God. They're going to hate you. Because you represent what they're trying to get rid of. So we lived in Arizona. Uh, we were just, our kids were young. And so Hope was home and, with the kids. And then uh, on Friday, my day off, I would substitute. And it was not a... Um, it was not a computerized system. It was a smaller district, and there was a lady who was in charge, and she met me, and I was about 40 years old. So 80% of the time, I ended up in middle school. Do you ever subbed in middle school? And I thought, they're not going to like me. Again, this is not personal. Anybody that they don't know as an adult authority who walks in and starts to tell them what to do. They're not going to like it. You could put anybody there. So this isn't personal, but because I'm filling a role, they're not going to accept me. They're going to reject me. They're going to hate me. I'd walk in, and they'd say, are you nice? And I'd say, no, not really. <laughs> are you co- cool? No, last class didn't think so. I'm more interested in keeping control than being your friend. Um, but anybody filling that role, so when you meet people who reject you, who hate you, remember, it's not personal. It could be anybody. When they're trying to get rid of God and you're representing God, they're going to hate you. This played out, I come to faith as a freshman in college, February of my freshman year. I'm not preaching to anybody. I'm not down on them. But all of a sudden, they know I'm a believer, and they start calling me Father Andrew. That's a derisive term. They start trying to hand me, again, the age was 18 then, and, Anybody could get a beer at Texas A&M, and so they're trying to push a beer on me, trying to play these stupid games to get you drunk. Those only work with people who are already drunk. And, and I, finally, I finally just quit drinking, because if I've had no alcohol, you can't say I'm drunk. But it was, they couldn't accept it. I did not preach, I did not condemn, but because I was different, because of what I was representing, the world's going to hate you. However... John transitions, again, 
to 14 says, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Look, the world will be filled with hate, but the person who is abiding, remember we talked about abiding, is, is living under, they're, they're going to they're gonna love it, and they're not going to, Return hate for hate. John, John says, yeah, there may be a world out there that rejects you, but the expectation, that the, the natural reaction of being in relationship and living under relationship with Christ is you, you're going to love. You want to hate it? Yeah. Why? Because we were recipients of a love we didn't deserve. Of course we're going to live that way. John says. Verse 15, then he talks again about hate. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. So John says, look, hate is murder in embryonic form. Why would he say that? If I murder you, I get you off the scene. You know, you've really made me mad, and I, I do whatever I do, and, and you're gone. Hate is the desire that you'd be gone. I just, I just can't pull it off. Maybe you're too strong for me. Maybe I'm intimidated because I know there's consequences from the law. But in my heart, I want you gone. And so John said, if you got hate in your heart, or hate in your heart, Jesus sees you as a murderer. Why? Because in your heart, you're no different than the one who commits murder. Then he comes back, and he's going to define love for us. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our own lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's good and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide him? Little children, let us not love one another with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Love is not a sentiment from a biblical view. It's not a feeling. It's it's an action. It's a commitment to act in another's best interest. And that's what John says in verse 16. Jesus modeled love in a biblical sense by laying down his life for us. There was nothing that felt good about the cross. But Jesus went for you and for me. So he says, that's what love is. It's a commitment to act in another person's best interest. Whenever I officiate a ceremony, and I go through counseling with the couple, I say, look, on on this day, on your wedding day, here's the commitment you're making. You're making a commitment to act in her best interest. You're making a commitment to act in his best interest. You're laying down what you want for what she wants. You're laying down what you want for what he wants. And then that's easy to think, well, okay, but I'm probably never going to be in a position, hopefully, where I have to lay down my life. Well, John says, let's bring this a little bit more practical in verses 17 and 18. Whoever sees his brother in need and closes heart, are you in the business of meeting physical needs? If you've been around here Oh, wow, you know we, we're using these terms. Grow, connect, and serve. We see these as elements in fulfilling our mission to be Christ in our community. Jared mentioned that in the, the, the North Point Community Highlights. Let me give you a couple ways real practically to flesh this out. It's not the only ways, but a couple ways. We have a meals team here at North Point. If you go on our website, you'll see that. So when somebody has a baby, somebody goes to the hospital, um, we get a bunch of people who, who do meals for these people. We got some committed people, but it's the same people doing this a lot. And man, we've had a number of babies, which is great. That's great. But we want to come alongside these moms who are doing this. So if you would consider joining our meals team, 
That'd be one way to flesh this out. And every so often, and you don't, you'll, you'll be let, that there's a need, and you don't, you're not committed, but maybe that's something you can do. Um, would you consider signing up for that? Another way, in about a month, we're going to partner with the People City Mission. They're having a shoe drive. And so we'll have a barrel out there, and we'll tell you more about it when it comes. But will you go through your home and, and look at your shoes? Because they want to get shoes for people, and those that they can't use, they'll sell. And, and, and again, this is to clothe people. A couple ways that we can serve our community, serve those who are in need, um, living out this mandate. So, so we hear this. We're called to love. If we're connected in a relationship with Christ, we're called to love and not hate. And that love should be characteristic of our lives. But if you're anything like me, you're not perfect in this. You fail. And even as I read these words and, you, and you're convicted, uh, uh, my comment to that is, yeah, join the club. We're in process. I have not loved perfectly. If you don't believe that, talk to my wife, talk to my kids, talk to my staff team. They'll, they'll tell you that. We're fail. Well, what about when we fail? Here's what John says, uh, verses 19 and 20. We will know by this that we are of the truth, and he will assure our heart before him. And whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So look, if you're feeling condemned... Here, you're thinking, man, I, this week, that I said, I should have, and I didn't, and I did. That's the Spirit of God. Confess that and know it's forgiven. Okay, it was forgiven on the cross. Use those failures as a, uh, an understanding. I need to grow more in my relationship with God. I'm not where I need to be. But that's okay. By God's grace, we're growing, we're getting there. Not in a perfectly linear line, kind of an up and down thing, but by the grace of God, we're getting there. So John's calling us to live to our mandate of, of Christ, but he's also saying, I, I know in the process, we're failing. We are forgiven when we fail. And as we fail, we need to know that we have access to God to ask him to grow us and to empower us to love more like Jesus. Verses 21 and 22. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, whenever we talk about Bible, we always say you want to look at a verse in its context. I mean, you take that out by itself because whatever we ask, we receive from him. You're talking a new car, you're talking a new house. What are you, what are you talking about here? And let's look at context. It's a call to love. It's people who want to keep the commandments and please God. So I think that is talking specifically here about our failure in love. And, and, and I'm not where I want to be. And, and we have access to go to God and said, would you empower me? Would you make me the kind of person you want me to be? And know that he hears our requests. And when those requests line up with his will for his life, you can be sure he will be at work changing us, molding us, shaping us, that we can live these things out. So we've seen this call. Look, we live in a world that hates us because we represent God and they're in a system that is trying to get rid of God. But John says, that is not okay. You do not 
have license then to take that hate with you and, and it's not okay. It's, no, no, we're called to be differently. Why? Because we're abiding in Christ and we're living out Christ. And yeah, there are times we fail and, and we know we're, we have forgiveness and we know we have resources. If we'll go to ask God that we can love differently, we can love supernaturally. So then John's going to sum it up here, in my opinion, in verses 23 and 24. This is his commandment. That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Look, it starts with faith. Our empowering to love comes from faith. Why? Because in faith, before faith, we're living for self. We've denied God. We're our own master. We do our own thing. The Bible calls that sin. Jesus came and lived the life we were supposed to live 2,000 years ago. Followed the Father right up to the point that he died on the cross. Forgives our sin and empowers us to live differently in submission to God. He's meeting our needs. He's empowering us. He's changing us. Once we've made that, we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. It's in that relationship that we fulfill that command. And the one who keeps his commandment abides in him. Remember, that's, we're living under his direction, and he in him. We know by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. See, we started asking this question, where do we find the strength to keep on loving? Remember, remember that snowblower that runs out of gas. We're, we don't want to be people who run out of gas. We want to be able to f- fulfill God's mandate to love fully and completely. Where do we find the strength to keep loving? Here's what I tell you. Our faith in Christ empowers us to love like Christ. Our faith in Christ empowers us to live like Christ. Okay, before I got up here, we sang a song entitled Hallelujah for the Cross. And immediately we think, oh, that's gotten me out of hell into heaven. And that's true. But it's done so much more. There's so much more reason for us to celebrate the cross. There's a line in there. I was a prisoner, now I'm not. Prisoner, like what are you talking about, Andy? Well, the the prisoner is, you do me wrong, you hate me wrong. What's the natural reaction? Well, I get you back, right? Where does that take relationships? You get me, I get you, you get me. Where's that go? See, we're a prisoner, but... Jesus said, you've been freed from that because you've known a God who has forgiven your sin and you didn't deserve it. And if you will grow and you will understand that, you don't have to live that way. John said, yeah, we're living in a world, hate, but we don't have to return that. Do you understand, a year ago today is the first Sunday we didn't meet because of the pandemic. Been a tough year been a tough year. And there, there's been a lot of different opinions on what we should do and what we shouldn't and this and that. And, and what is followed by that is, is a lot of vitriol, a lot of hate and you should or we shouldn't and this guy should be president that one shouldn't and this and that. And John said you don't have to live that way. Hallelujah for the cross. You've been freed from that. Look, if we will internalize this principle that we can love unconditionally because of the power of our faith. We don't have to gauge it on how you respond to me. That will revolutionize your marriage. 
That will change your marriage. Because you know what? You get married, your, your spouse is going to disappoint you. But you don't have to respond. If we can internalize that, that'll revolutionize friendships. If we can internalize this, that will revolutionize relationships at work between the boss and the co-worker, between the colleagues, between this thing, this principle. If we will internalize and we will take hold of this Jesus, this can revolutionize every relationship we have because we don't have to answer in kind. Do you understand why we sing hallelujah for the cross? John's calling us to a radical love. Here's what I want to ask. You don't have to answer me, but in the quiet of your heart, I want to ask you, who's the person? Who are the people? You say, Andy, I just can't. (laughs) I can't love them. No, you don't understand. Who are those people? Who's that person? Would you pray? Start by praying. God, it's beyond me. But you're calling me to love that person. And I understand for some things, you may need to keep boundaries, you may need to keep distance. I I, I get that. Okay, I'm not asking you to be foolish, but, but it starts in your heart. You're calling me to love that person. Okay? And then it's it's... Remember, love is to be practical. We looked at that in 1 John 3, 16 to 18. What's something you can do practically to love that person? I'm saying maybe you can send a text. Hey, I'm praying for you. Just want to see how you're doing. Maybe that's, maybe that's where you start. Maybe it's you're stopping by and you're getting a scooter's gift card and you say, man, I realize it was a hard week. Maybe you're taking a meal tomorrow. I don't know. But we just can't leave this in the theoretical. God has empowered us to love supernaturally. It begins with our relationship with Jesus. What can you do to draw on this power to live this out? John was thinking... If you got one illustration, you need a second one to close, don't you? Don't you? So, I got this barrel. Got this barrel here. And, uh, you know, if I'm going to be carrying this thing, and I got stuff in it, it gets pretty heavy to do this. And at some point, I'm going to get tired carrying this load. If I do it on my own, I'm not going to last very long. However... If I get a little help and I get this dolly, well, then I can go quite a ways with this barrel. It's really not much in my own strength, is it? Can you see I can can go quite a bit farther doing this than trying to carry it? On my own. Do you understand that barrel is the weight of trying to love? You think you can get very far on your own? Especially if things weighted down? 
Not really. But you get faith underneath that? Well, by golly, you can go a long way. I hope we don't walk out of here thinking, I've got to suck it up and do it. If you do, you're going to be carrying the barrel and you're not going to get very far. You make it about noon today. But if you draw on this Jesus, well, man, you can go quite a ways. Where do we find the strength to keep on loving? Faith in Christ empowers us to love like Christ. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we're grateful that uh, you have given us this, this resource of faith that we could love like, like you loved us. Lord, certainly you're the model, but you're the one who empowers us. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross, and we celebrate that, and that it has freed us to be different in this world. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.